You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com. Welcome, one and all, to this, the 44th edition of the Business of Cannabis. Can 50 be far behind? A short answer, not really. It's in six weeks, but spiritually feels like a big deal. In any event, you're here, I'm here, and I'm Dave Scott, your host. And I'd like to welcome you all to this radio broadcast. Every week, I uh, state the mission. It's no different. We will bring you the most relevant, groundbreaking, innovative business stories from the cannabis front lines the latest in cannabis brands, services, innovations in retail, software, distribution, marketing. To put it bluntly, a hard look at the hard realities of making money in the cannabis space. Now, this is a somewhat eclectic episode. We'll start off uh, chatting with Tiffany Soper of the Nine Point Agency for Vancouver, Canada. Nine Point is a cannabis-focused marketing agency. And Tiffany's had a very broad range of experience across a number of product verticals. Industry. So I want to ask her what she has found to be unique to marketing cannabis and what's basically no different uh, from any other product or service. So let's find out how you market cannabis. Then we're going to veer decidedly into the social impact of cannabis. Uh, Jai Kenzie is going to tell us all about the Good Green Project. Uh, Good Green is a cannabis brand. Uh, that is being sold in a number of states, and the profits from the sale of Good Green are then granted to not-for-profits doing a good work in the community. They're owned by Green Thumb Industries, and so hopefully they're setting the bar in what it means to be a good corporate citizen. All businesses need to think of what they can do to make the world a better place, and cannabis is intrinsically connected to that mindset, at least it is for a number of people, so let's find out how Green Thumb Industries is doing just that. Marketing cannabis, uh, good corporate citizenship. This is on the ground frontline stuff from Tiffany Soper of Nine Point Agency and Jai Kenzie of Green Thumb Industries. Uh, Please stick around uh, when Matt Cook and I uh, chat about what we've heard and whatever else comes to mind that's topical and hopefully interesting to those in the cannabis space. And notice I avoided using uh, a terrible pun like canapreneur. We need to stop doing that in general. Um, does every name uh, really need to have the word green in it? Well, I don't think so. So hopefully it's a movement that will grow and no uh, bad joke here about growing either. Notice that. In any event, I'm Dave Sky. Let's spend some time together here on The Business of Cannabis.
welcome back to the Business of Cannabis. And I'd like to welcome Tiffany Soper, president and founder of Nine Point Agency. Um, Tiffany's been a presence in the Canadian and British Columbia PR game for over a decade, built up three firms, including Avenue PR, which she then uh, transitioned to Nine Point. Uh, she bills her firm as a PR for progressive lifestyle brands. Um, and she has a wide range of industries that she actually services, retail, food, bev, uh, uh, beauty, travel. But uh, we're, we're here to talk to her because, as you can imagine, progressive lifestyle brands includes cannabis. Um, and Tiffany's uh, agency is a powerful present in that space. So let's find out why this PR pro, through her experience and at least some of her time and career behind cannabis. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So let me ask a preliminary question before we get into the nitty gritty of what you guys do in the, in the space. Why, why did you kind of transition? I mean, you already kind of had an agency and were working in such a wide variety of areas. Why, why did you get into cannabis? Sure. Yes, it happened very organically. I, I have a lot of contacts in the cannabis industry, you know, longtime friends who are legacy growers, you know, in the Kootenays. I'm from British Columbia. Um, so I'd always been around cannabis my whole life. And when I heard that legalization was happening, you know, there was a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement. A lot of my friends were getting into the legal uh, industry right. and I was interested and curious about it. And then I, I've always worked in food and beverage and that's always been a big passion of mine. And I threw a cannabis infusion dinner with a chef from Los Angeles, Chris Sage, the herbal chef. He's one of the best oh, wow. cannabis, okay. cannabis and infusion chefs in the world and there really there hadn't been anything like this in Vancouver before and this was April 2017 so about six seven months oh wow you're a trailblazer a little bit pre-legalization yeah Yeah. and and I just I threw this dim the lights dim the lights (laughs) I because I thought he was amazing and I thought people would love it and you know we could talk about legalization happening and at the time the regulatory framework wasn't in place. We could kind of do what we wanted. Right. And um, I had all these cannabis partners like work with us on the event, a couple of retailers, a couple of LPs, a cannabis accessory brand. We threw this amazing pop-up on this weekend and it was so much fun and so phenomenal. And I did a ton of PR and press around it and had Chris on you know, national media. And our partners that we worked with reached out afterwards and said, hey, we really loved working with you. We're you know, opening this LP, we're opening this retail brand. Can you do it for us? Can you do PR for us? And I, <laughs> yeah. I have never thought about it. Like, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, That's okay. I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I would love that. Let's talk. Let's find out more. Like, I think this could be really cool. And, right. you know, we ended up working with two of those partners almost immediately and then never looked back. Just like. So if, well, this is perfect lead into the, what, as I'm hearing, you're sort of, we're there from the beginning. Yes. When you think about sort of what you thought after that dinner, okay, you know, okay, this was a great event, to what you know now, what are some of the things that surprised you that you didn't think about cannabis industry from PR marketing perspective? And what are some of those unique qualities of this industry that you've learned about and now have to take into account as opposed to when you're selling or working with a beverage company? Uh, or a lifestyle company, uh, you know, uh, shoes or whatever, the, whatever else you're selling. <laughs> yes, for sure. So the, the industry is very unique. And, you know, before I hadn't really thought about how um, 
firm the regulatory framework would be, especially around marketing. So that was a new learning for us. We had to learn very quickly how to follow, you know, the regulations put out by Health Canada from a marketing perspective. And so that was a long learning curve and um, a lot of trial and error to kind of figure that out. And then also just like working with a psychedelic plant, you know, we had worked with beauty and fashion and food and beverage, and we'd worked with liquor before. And there's, you know, considerations around that. However, this was so new and there's so much science behind this plant and those possibilities and the learnings are just endless. So it's really like having that education and that knowledge. And we had to build a team that was really specialized and that had knowledge about cannabis and the science behind the plant. And um, all the different effects and usages, and then also the regulatory. So those were two big things that really make this industry right. unique. Let, here, this might be an unfair question. So tell me if it's unfair, but mm-hmm. why as someone who does what you do, is it so important to understand the science someone behind it? How, what is that connection? Okay, you throw throwing a dinner, you're throwing a dinner, you're you know, you're throwing an event, you're throwing an event. What is it unique? What is it about cannabis that requires this extra level of understanding? Well, there's a safety and just a responsibility um, aspect to it. Like if we're throwing a dinner and we're just feeding people regular food and a little glass of wine, that's one thing. But if we're serving people a dinner that's infused with cannabis, that is a psycho, like has a psychedelic psychoactive effect. That's another thing. There's a whole new level of responsibility that you you can't just go in there and wing it. Like, that's why I loved working with Chris Sage, for example, because he actually has like a medical background and he is a scientist as well as a chef. And so I knew that the the dosage would be accurate and safe and that, you know, we wouldn't have any issues and, or, you know, you have to have extra precautions if you're throwing a cannabis party and people are going to be consuming. Um, There's this whole safety aspect, right? And just trying to manage that in combination with alcohol, making sure it's 19 plus, making sure it's not reaching, you know, anyone underage in any way. There's all these other considerations that come into factor. Right. So let's let's start from. I I won't ask such a a a much easier question. More in your sweet (laughs) spot. I'm going to give you carte blanche, and you're going to create a perfect the perfect strategy for my business. So I want to start with. I have, I've started a dispensary. It's a standalone. I'm in a great area, whatever. Um, what, I, I call you up, say, Tiffany, I, I need to get the word out about my, about my dispensary, Dave's dispensary. What do I do? What's that, what's that playbook? From a marketing perspective? Um, yeah, so marketing, PR, bring it all in. Yeah, what would you, you know, yeah. and make up whatever facts you need, uh, you know, rather than, yeah, for sure. So say this is a brand new market and there's no other, you know, cannabis dispensaries yet in this city. So it's something new, it's unique. People have been waiting for this to happen. You know, that's an advantage and you know, that's what we were really seeing early days which was exciting. So I think you have to start with your brand first and foremost. You have to have a quality brand. What's the name? What's the logo? What's your visual identity? How does that, you know, factor through to every element, every touch point of the customer experience to your store. What is the experience when the customer comes through the store? That's really the first foundation that you have to have in place is your brand and how that carries through to like your website, your social media. What is your tone of voice and how are you unique to all the other hundreds of dispensaries out there? 
you know, what is your unique offering? You need to start there. And then you need to look at, okay, what are all the other things that we could do? We specialize in PR and media relations as well as other communications and marketing. But if there's an opportunity for PR and media, um, it's very hard to get. Not everyone can get that, but say it's new into this town and say, you know, you're supporting the local First Nations banner. There's some sort of a unique angle around the store opening that's worthy of like a press release or some sort of media announcement. Say the press in this town haven't written about or seen a cannabis dispensary before. We'd recommend then sort of a press PR strategy. So a press release, you know, to all the local newspapers, trying to get some editorial coverage, perhaps inviting some editors in for a tour, you know, coming up with a whole like PR media relations um, strategy, and then looking at other marketing tactics. What are the other things that we can do? Okay, look at your website, make sure that's on point, make sure you have high quality photography of the store inside, outside. Um, What is your social media looking like? How is that you know, supporting your launch strategy and reaching customers, trying to get following, you know, online, building the online community. And then other things such as like, what are you doing in the community? Say you're doing like a cool grand opening event. Are you reaching out to local partners? Like, is there a really cool coffee donut shop down the street that like everybody loves that you could like partner with around a grand opening and like try to make it hyper-local because I think when you go into communities, I've seen this, I've seen um people be really unsure so it's like how can you get the community to welcome you how can you partner with other businesses and support each other so that people aren't putting that stigma around it and be like oh this is another business you know this is a now illegal product this is now part of our daily lives how do we normalize it you know you could do yoga classes in there you could do like a cool educational talk like cannabis 101 or like what are terpenes like some cool educational interactive experience in the store there's i mean the opportunities are endless um but it's really just pinpointing what are the unique opportunities to that location we are talking to tiffany sopra uh president and uh, founder of nine point agency uh in uh vancouver canada british columbia um and that would plot like as I'm listening to this, where you started with well, maybe a new dispensary in a in a new town. That's not so easy to do anymore. No, or, or it's it's kind of hard to be first in maybe mm-hmm. in a, a much smaller area. But mm-hmm. most of what you've just said, I guess, applies to would apply to anyone, even if you're in a big city. Um, and I'm going to guess, but tell me if I'm wrong, that most pe- most businesses aren't doing those things. No, that, that's right. That would apply to any new, you know, cannabis retail opening in any city. And whether Even forget like, about opening, just an existing, just, let's say I'm an existing, okay, I have five uh, locations, three mm-hmm. to five. So I'm not big, but I'm getting, I, I, I clearly have had some traction. I'm making mm-hmm. some money or have some money behind me. I have a system in place to manage that size, but I want to out. I want to beat the competition because there's a mm-hmm. lot of competition. What are those things? What would I now come to you and say, Tiffany? You got to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's five dispensaries around me. How do I differentiate myself? I've done this some of the stuff you've done, mm-hmm. but on a PR side, take me through some of the things you mentioned, but drive drive it deeper. How how do, what do I do? Yeah, for sure. So those opportunities are there. And it is, you're right, it's so competitive. And there's so many stores now. And how do you stand out? And how do you make your store unique? And how do you reach the consumer? 
um, in an authentic way. So from the PR media side, it's really helpful to have a spokesperson in the industry who is somewhat of an expert or like, you know, a personality, someone that the media could go to for comment about, you know, say there's something happening in the retail industry that's in the news cycle. How do you get your person in the news? Like, that's what we would do is we would look for opportunities. So it's helpful to have a personality that's media savvy or comfortable speaking with the media or has something to say, you know, right. what are you, what are you guys doing? That's unique. I think a lot of, um, one thing we can work with is like community and charity outreach. I think there's a lot of opportunity to do more in that space. So if you're a retail chain and you have five stores, it's looking at your, um, you know, what, what are, what are you all about? Like, what are your morals? What are your values? How do you want to give back to the community? What is your CSR strategy? That's something that could be newsworthy. You know, do you have a really cool recycling program? I know there's a lot of consumers right. that are upset about the packaging. So do you have something that you need? Oh, that, I get you. You know, right. people would want to come back, bring their recycled package back and then get something new. Are you offering like, you know, unique experiences in the store? Um, you know, with the media, I think early days, there was a lot of exposure and coverage around the cannabis right. industry. It was just so new and... Everyone was covering right. it. Yeah. Like the New York Times was covering it. Like we right. were so busy with press opportunities and, and just requests coming our way. And now we're really having to work for the coverage. So you have to come up with something cool and unique. It's not not enough to just be a retail store in a city anymore. That's you super interesting. That, with an angle. In other words, it's just like any other business. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like can, while cannabis is unique, I want to answer that last first question. It's not so unique. It's not as unique as it used to be from what I'm hearing from you, for your, based on what you do. Exactly. Is, um, do the regulatory, does the regulatory environment reduce your playbook, make it really hard to do what you do? Or is? Um, it, in some aspects, yes. I mean, the beautiful thing about PR and media is that Health Canada cannot regulate the free press. The free press can say about whatever they want. So that's one thing that's very effective for cannabis companies. If you have a story to tell, if you have an opportunity to get press coverage, that is so effective. You have a journalist okay. talking about your business that's not paid to do so. So it's not advertising. It's, it's not a, it's advertising. A, it's, news. Right. We, it's news. We call it earned media rather than paid media. And it's actually eight to 10 times more valuable than a paid advertisement. So we think, you know, we often tell our clients, this is the number one most effective way to market your company so let's figure out a way we we kind of dig in and find, we try to find those stories we find those unique angles and if not then we work with our clients to come up with programs and unique things to do that are newsworthy that the media would be interested in writing about okay you're you're obviously good at your job because you snuck that in very pretty smoothly <laughs> a little pitch so call tiffany if you want to get something worth eight to ten times what, what it costs for you but let me um let me just flip it uh uh, we don't have tons of time, but uh, sure. still enough for this question. I'm now a bigger player. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm 20, 30 strong, but that still isn't, you know, and maybe I'm in a couple of, of uh, if you, I was in the U.S., uh, a multi-state player in mm -hmm. Canada. I'm in a few provinces. What, what uh, are there some additional things then? In a, like, obviously, I would do the things you've just said. Is there more because of the economies of sale and size that you can mm -hmm. think of? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, those larger chains and companies have bigger marketing budgets. They can do cooler things. And I think you really need to look at um, a model for every province because every province is 
uh, different on the regulatory, especially for retail and in-store and marketing and what you can do. Some provinces allow in-store tastings and you can do obviously not THC infused stuff, but you can have, you know, non-infused chocolates and beverages and like do unique things. Other provinces, that's a no-go. So you really need to like build a marketing framework for each province that you're operating in. But events is one thing that's very effective because, you know, you could do something that's 19 plus in a private venue. Cannabis events are cool and they're fun and people want to go to them. And it's a great way for a brand to show up and get recognized and, you know, do something really immersive and amazing and, you know, have a cool DJ, have a show, you know, show up in a really unique way, partner with like a music festival and have something that's 19 plus, but really like incredible, like a cool lounge that's partnered with other, you know, like-minded brands. Um, You know, you really have to get creative because of the limitations, but that being said, there's still a lot of opportunities to show up in an authentic way and to get your brand recognized that can stand out from others. That sounds like one, I'd say that sounds like a lot of work. So I imagine two, that's why you have a business. <laughs> You're busy. Because <laughs> I'm not yeah. doing that. Yeah, with, I'm, I'm too busy uh, yeah. or lazy. Let, let, we, all, we don't have a ton of time, but let me ask you, um, because of it's, you, you, you've been in business a long time, you've grown businesses, you, you know, this particular agency. So we always talk about the cannabis business, but what about the PR business and cannabis? How do you see your agency in three to five years? Where do you see it? Do you see it in a boutique way? Is it going to be a larger entity cross Canada into the US? You're not interested in that, focused on a niche, multiple Mm -hmm. areas. How do you see it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have a really strong lifestyle division that works in beauty, fashion, food and beverage, travel, tourism, and that's going really well. And then we have our cannabis division and that's been amazing for us. And we have transitioned a little bit more from a traditional PR media relations agency to now a full creative agency. So we now have a full creative team that's doing branding, graphic design, content development, photography, swag, like, so we can do a full strategy for someone like a brand new business that doesn't even have a name or a logo or anything. We can do all of that now, as well as the go-to-market and the PR and the events and the launch. So that's been really cool and exciting. That's new. We're going to grow that a lot. Um, We have a sister agency in Toronto. We already do a lot of national Canadian programs. We definitely want to do more in the U.S. Um, We have some partners that we're speaking to, brands that we're speaking to in the U.S. We obviously need changes to happen in the U.S. and for the U.S. to open up. Soon as that happens, absolutely, we will be operating in the U.S. because we have clients that are going to be doing business there already. Um, oh, so, so you'll grow with the, with your Canadian clients as, mm-hmm. they, as they move Exactly. Right. And then also psychedelics. So that's something new and exciting mm. that we're already working in that we 100% are so passionate about. I mean, part of what drew me to cannabis was that this is a plant that has the ability to heal people and that if used responsibly can improve people's lives. And that to me is so exciting. And that's kind of the ethos that we want to work with lifestyle brands as well. Like we have, you know, sustainable fashion companies, like what are the companies that are really pushing the boundaries that are doing things differently? So psychedelics is so exciting because I'm personally very passionate about it. I love psychedelics for mental health. I think this is going to like 
revolutionize mental health and pharmaceuticals. And I want to be part of that. So hundred percent, we're going to be doing some cool stuff in the psychedelic industry. So, so do for yourself what you do for others, <laughs> which is always hard to do. Yes. <laughs> you know, the cobbler shoe thing. Um, uh, Tiffany, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Tiffany Soper, uh, president of Nine Point Agency. So if you want to grow your business, give her a call. Um, if you want to check them out, go to ninepointagency.com and that's spelled out N-I-N-E, ninepointagency.com and see what they're all about. Um, thank you very much. This was super interesting and enlightening. And if I had a 10, if I had 10 dispensaries, I'd call you, but I don't. <laughs> so I don't know what I can do other than give you a call uh, in, a, in a few months and see how you're doing and, and see what progress you make. That would be great. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. This was fun. Thank you very much. And we will be back with more of the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com. Welcome back to the business of cannabis. Um, let's turn our attention to uh, a, a, an issue that's becoming more and more important in the cannabis space, uh, uh, um, which is the issue of uh, social programs, social impact uh, in, in general, diversity, inclusion, and so on. And we're lucky enough to have uh, Jai Kenzie, who is Director of Social Impact at Green Thumb Industries. Uh, Green Thumb Industries is a much larger organization, has 77 dispensaries and 17 cultivation centers. Um, but we're here to talk about a specific brand of uh, Green Thumbs, which is called Good Green. Um, he's a, a communications, community relations professional, more than 10 plus years of experience working with uh, the nonprofit, government, consumer, healthcare organizations. So uh, we have some expertise. So let's take advantage of it. Uh, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So excited to be here. I appreciate that. Um, so enlighten us about this program. Uh, what's Good Green, um, the brand and uh, about, and, and, and I know there's a grant program uh, attached to it. Yeah, so Good Green is our value flower. We currently offer it in six states, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We are looking to um, grow the brand in other markets and then expand it. But um, we really launched the brand um, to look for opportunities and to really play off on an idea. It's something that just was an idea to create a brand to play our rightful part in the cannabis industry by reinvesting funds to support black and brown organizations that have been impacted by the war on drugs. So the entire brand, like I said, was it was literally an, an idea. And from the top down through our brands team to our leadership, wanting to do our part to make sure that we supported communities of color that have been impacted by the war on drugs and reinvesting those funds to do so. A question that just occurred to me, I was gonna ask something else, but now it's, I, I wanna ask, describe that process. Cause that's an amazing thing that, that you can have. Like, are we talking about like at a meeting, someone said, wouldn't it be great if we did this? And then a, and then a year later, 
You did it, or how? How take take me through that yeah. process a bit. That's the beauty of the the cannabis industry. We really have an opportunity to be innovative to think about ways, you know, it's all about problem solving in this industry. We're creating something that's new, which is an opportunity for us to lay the groundwork and to create a foundation and showing what that, um, what the standard is for DE&I and true equity in this space. And that's exactly right. what happened with Good Green. It was an idea actually of our CEO, Ben, wanting to do more and wanting to give back to the community and wanting to find a way to leverage our resources at Green Thumb Industries to provide support to communities of color that have been impacted by the war on drugs. And it, it literally started as an idea, something that was just on paper and bringing together all of the internal stakeholders at GTI to play their part to bring that vision to life. And it happened within a year. We were able to bring the team together, develop a brand, and um, from that also develop a grants program that specifically focuses on supporting nonprofit organizations, particularly black and brown nonprofit organizations um, that do work in specific areas like expungement, education, and employment. And to provide them with unrestricted funding to ensure that they're able to drive their missions in the communities that they serve on a daily basis. So tell me a bit about the organizations then that you're investing in. So I'll get to the brand in a minute because I'm really very interested in that. But so you're selling flour in, in these, what was it, six states you said? Yes, six yeah. states, Illinois, okay. Massachusetts, Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Okay, so everyone who's living there, listen up, but, uh, <laughs> but they're expanding, so everyone else has to listen to. Um, tell me a bit about uh, how, how you do that and, and the types of organizations you have invested in to give us a feel for what, what does this program mean in real terms? It, it's an amazing program, just the opportunity to leverage one of our brands. And you know, we always talk about there's in good green, there's the good and the green, and the focus of this brand is really heavily on the good. We look at organizations, like I mentioned before, that focus on education, employment, and expungement work, because those are the key areas that we felt were a priority in supporting Black and Brown communities that have been impacted by the war on drugs. A lot of those organizations provide workforce development programs, education support to get people into jobs. Um, and like I said, those expungement um, efforts to help expunge individuals for, for to clear their records to ensure that they're able to obtain employment. We have committed 1.3 million through this grants program by the end of the year. So far, we've donated over $500,000 to uh, um, eight organizations in total. Just recently, we announced in May five grants to organizations, them being Ex-Cons for Community and Social Change out of Chicago. They're an organization that does a tremendous job in working with um, re-entry programs and services to people throughout the Chicagoland area to ensure that, you know, individuals with criminal records receive a second chance at employment, awesome. at education, Amazing. at training. Yeah. yeah, it's a great program. And the whole program is ran by individuals who have been formerly incarcerated or have had criminal records in the past themselves. 
Also, another organization was Growing Home. Growing Home, they're an organic urban farm in an area called Inglewood here in Chicago, where sure. they support training, workforce training programs, and provide childcare and housing services to individuals who go through their program. Greystone Foundation, based out of Yonkers, New York, um, was another, it was this real theme of that workforce piece, because it's a real tragedy to see people with um, criminal records not being able to obtain employment and having those employment barriers. And so this this round of grantees really focused on that reentry and workforce development um, area. So Grayston Foundation was another organization that received a $60,000 grant. Each organization received $60,000 through Good Green. Um, they provide education programs. They even have a, a program that they're introducing to support people 50 and over through reentry. So individuals with criminal records who are 50 plus and how to obtain employment going through their workforce development program through their bakery that they have um, through the Grayson Bakery. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I see stars is one of the other organizations we supported this year through the grant. They have over 23 years of experience providing coding, IT, leadership, business training to individuals um, in Illinois and Milwaukee to provide information on how to obtain vocational skills to get into employment, to, to obtain employment in spaces like at GTI or at other companies throughout those areas. And we've also worked with them to connect them with our talent acquisition team so that we can work to create that pipeline to bring people into GTI who go through their vocational training at their facility. So they're a great partner. And then lastly, Take Root Justice, which is a great organization that provides legal and policy support to other grassroots organizations. What I really love about Take Root Justice is that they are, you know, they're not that multi-million dollar nonprofit organization, but they're that mid-level nonprofit organization that really knows how to reach back to support smaller nonprofits that do not have the resources or the funding to do the type of work that they do. But even being that mid-level nonprofit size, they still reach back to support others to ensure that they have, you know, business development, learning how to um, fundraise helping to build leadership skills within those nonprofits so that they can succeed as well. So it was a no brainer for us to support them, especially with the policy work that did that they do on their end to support. So yeah, it, it, it's amazing to see wow. the yeah. level of, um, just the level of work that these organizations do on the ground and how they're in the trenches really supporting black and brown communities. We are uh, talking to Terry Kenzie of Good Green uh, Industries talking, uh, who is the director of social impact, uh, talking about the uh, Good Green uh, brand, I guess, or Good Green program, wherever you want to uh, uh, describe it. Um, I would imagine, well, take me through the process. I, I would imagine there's, there's, no, there's no shortage of demand. There's no shortage of need. Um, <laughs> across, just in the six states you're at, let alone when you get into other states. Describe a little bit about the process you go through in, in making these decisions. How does someone reach out to you? What does that process look like? Well, the process for obtaining a Good Green grant is simple. You can go on our website. If you are a 501c3 and your mission includes any type of efforts that um, involves employment, education, and expungement, please go on gtigrows.com. You can look for um, an opportunity to apply for the grant through gtigrows.com. And 
through there, you can, um, we look for organizations, like I said, that uh, are aligned with those three pillars yeah, of the brand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you are, have to yeah. fit in there and then, and then it's. Yeah. Yeah. We fit in. We look at that. We also look at, um, you know, we, we try to be extremely intentional with the organization we work with as well. We look at how diverse is your own staff? How diverse oh, okay. is your board? How, you know, are you truly making an impact? We yeah. look at articles. Walking the walk. Yeah. yeah, are you walking the walk on your end as well and looking at organizations to understand, you know, and, and we even do, you know, we look at newspaper articles to do research to see like how impactful the organizations are. We don't go for the big shiny, you know, it's nice to have those big shiny nonprofit organizations, but I really, you know, coming from my background and working in the nonprofit world for nearly a decade, really working with those grassroots organizations that don't really receive as much limelight as the right. big national and global nonprofits. Those organizations deserve funding and deserve, um, you know, a platform to amplify the work that they're doing because they are the ones that are directly connected to the people. And that is our priority is supporting the community and getting as close to the people as possible to ensure that we see a true impact and tangible resort results from the work and the funding and resources that we're able to provide. So, you know, just looking at those organizations, like I said, that are grassroots, they fit the three, um, they, their mission the is aligned three. with the three areas, expungement, employment, education, and that, you know, we look um, at markets where we actually provide good green um, products there because those products are levered, that, that brand there, those that brand helps to reinvest into those communities. So it's great when we have that type of alignment. Um, but yeah, but if you're, but I wouldn't let that um, keep you away from applying. But if you are definitely aligned with those three pillars, we encourage individuals and non, their nonprofits to apply. Quick preliminary question before I, <laughs> what is a 501c3? You said it's a, what is 501c3? A nonprofit. As a as a nonprofit organization, so nonprofit organization. Right. Okay. Um, you let me take advantage of some of your experience, and I think hopefully people will find this because uh, people who listen to the show are on all in all areas of the cannabis industry itself. What are the unique qualities of cannabis, the cannabis industry, that one has provided challenges in this area? that don't exist in other industries. Uh, and maybe the flip side are one of the opportunities, the positives that you've, that you've seen. Because it's yeah. really spoken of, like cannabis, we all talk about you know, growing and selling and marketing, and, but, but it's not as spoken about of, of what the culture of cannabis is, if, if that makes sense. Not the, the using culture, but the business culture. Right. Which is what you're alluding to, right, on some level. No, definitely. And the cannabis industry, it's really positioned uniquely because in no other industry that I could think, I mean, well, maybe, you know, in some of the industries I can't, um, you know, I've worked in the healthcare side, the nonprofit side, and other corporate sides where here there is a unique history attached to the industry. The cannabis industry was built on the backs of black and brown people. So there's somewhat of a, a dues that multi-state operators and other cannabis, um, legal cannabis operators entering into this um, industry now 
have to are responsible for and have to pay to black and brown communities who have operated in this space in the legacy market for decades you risking their lives risking the you know chance of being of going to prison those who have mm-hmm. gone to prison those who are still in prison to this day there is a huge debt owed to black and brown communities so it is so multi-state operators like GTI, we have a huge responsibility to ensure that we are constantly thinking and looking through a lens of equity in every aspect of our business. The, so the challenges with that are, you know, we're not federally legal. So there are there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the policy side to support um social equity applicants across the state. Each state has their own, is very unique in in the way they operate and the way they implemented their social equity programs. So there's an opportunity there where we can, you know, do what we can. I'm big on what can we do? So from a multi-state operator lens, it's really focused on what is that foundation that we can build to set the standard of what DE&I, what does equity look like through the support of a multi-state operator. We're building, you know, we always talk about how we're flying the rocket ship and building it at the same time, where we've had the opportunity mm. to pause and say, okay, we've we've grown so quickly. And now, you know, we have to take a pause to really think through of like, where does legacy distributors fit into this equation? Where does black and brown entrepreneurs fit into this equation? Where does diversity suppliers fit in this equation? And so we look through the lens of advocacy through um, advocacy work, community relations, through good green grants. We work with nonprofits at GTI to support the work that they're doing in terms of helping with expungement work, helping with um, workforce development programs. And then also through our volunteerism work that we have through our volunteer champions program to support organizations in the community in the communities where we serve. We when I also talk about just that entrepreneurship piece that where there's an opportunity in this unique cannabis industry is you know we have a program called Leap License Assist uh, License Assistance Education Education Assistance Program. Sorry. And, um, anything, I, I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great program where we, we launched it initially in That's Illinois and we just finished, wrapped up a five-part series in Connecticut where we provide social equity applicants. You know, here's information on how you can even apply for a license in your state if you're interested in it. Oh, here's, yeah. how, here's how you navigate the portal. Here's information right. about ancillary businesses. And, you know, we support programs like our academy through their... Um, uh, cannabis brand mentorship program. Um, those organizations like Take Root, where we talked about the, who just received the Good Green grant for the policy work that they do. Um, so that is, you know, it's really three pronged that advocacy, community relations piece, that entrepreneurship, equity, that policy piece, and making sure that you're hitting those areas to ensure that this equity support, this ec- the support and the equity piece is holistic and looking at different ways. It's just not one lane to support, but there it's multi-pronged. You know, I'm, I'm struck by the, the rocket ship analogy struck me because so many people in this industry act like their startup mentality. And when you're startup mentality, you don't have to take responsibility for a lot of your actions because, oh, we're startup, we're getting going, we're, you know, but like it's, you know, a lot of companies, 
three thousand. You're you're you've settled a few planets. It's time to maybe start looking at these things. Maybe it's a little late to the party, but better late than never. I love that that expression. Uh, you know, uh, you can't just say you're building the rocket ship. It's some, to some extent it's built too. You can't you can't just ignore that. Uh, so now look at these issues. We're we're running out of time, but I want to ask you one last thing, and it might be a viciously hard question to answer in a minute or two, but. If you if you could if you could make it if you could make this happen in the next three years with this program, what would it look like? What what would it look like that it doesn't look like now? Through this pro, through the Good Green Grant program. Yeah, what would what would you say? I would like to be like it's expansion, or I'd like to focus on the states we're in, or I'd like to oh. throw the amount of money, or I like what where would be that you know I can I make this happen, but you're only allowed to do one thing. You can't have it all. One thing would be definitely entrepreneurship equity within okay. the black and brown communities to ensure that black and brown communities have a seat at the table when it comes to ownership within this space. Okay. That is something I feel like oh, it would a be a, a, yeah. a big issue and it's a state by state issue, but it's something that is truly important to ensure that there's a even playing ground with who mm. is at this table and providing um, it's like a, a one, I'll do a one a, and then the one a would be policy change to ensure that legacy distributors have a seat at this table to help right. inform and policy and, and to transition into the space that they want to be in, in the cannabis industry, whether it be ownership on the corporate side in the cultivation facility. So those, those, and so I guess that, goes into entrepreneurship as well and equity in that space but that is i would love to see it grow into that space well i, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to take us through this in such an articulate way um we've been uh, speaking to jay kenzie at green thumb industries uh, director of social impact um at least one company trying to do some good work um and that and um in a in a, in a creative way which is kind of cool too um <laughs> Uh, Jay, thank you very much for your time, uh, and um, we'll we'll definitely reach out and, and see if some of those things uh, you actually did them. And thank <laughs> and you, please do. Way. But I'm sure you will. It's not, um, thank you. Uh, thank stay you. tuned, and and we well, you're welcome, and we will be back uh, with more of the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com. And welcome back to the business of cannabis. I'm joined uh, by Matt Cook to hello. talk about hello and to talk about um, what we heard from uh, Joy Kenzie mm -hmm. from uh, Good Green and uh, Tiffany Silver, the Nine Point Agency. Why don't we talk about uh, Joy Kenzie's first, not her personally, but what she's doing, right. which is obviously good work. It's obviously good what they're doing. Put it in context. For, well, I mean, you know, what were your thoughts? 
Well, I think, um, you know, I, I was actually uh, reading an article this morning and it said, you know, there was a quote that kind of resonated with me. All industries are stronger, smarter, and more prosperous when we work together, right? And that, you know, is at the heart of diversity uh, and social inclusion, um, which is what, you know, they're kind of focused on. Um, and, you know, it was kind of interesting that, uh, you know, her CEO after, you know, a bit of time uh, in business decided, hey, you know, we need to do more, right? right. Or do and, something. <laughs> yeah. like we need to do something <laughs> other than just working and making money. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is enough, which is hard enough to do. Yeah, it's very, very noble to say, you know, um, I want to help people that were affected, um, you know, by the war on drugs. And, you know, in less than a year, they basically put this program together. They got a team, uh, they put grants and handed them out to nonprofits, which, which is quite commendable. Um, and especially when you're talking about things like expunging criminal records for, you know, uh, possession or training uh, ex-cons, getting them back into the workplace, doing education, skills training. Sure. You know, she talked about, um, I think it was called IC Stars is one of the groups that they had uh, given a grant to and they do, um, you know, coding, uh, IT, business training. Um, in Illinois, and I believe it was Milwaukee. And, um, you know, that's, that's fantastic. Um, because those organizations are go going to help those people um, contribute. And that just makes us all better. Um, it's an uphill battle, though. Um, because, you know, some of these, um, some of these organizations are, are relying on uh, companies like Green Thumb for funding. And, you know, there aren't a ton of companies out there, even within the cannabis space, even, even with, you know, kind of the issues of diversity inclusion that we've talked about on the show many, many times. Right. There still aren't a lot of companies that are really kind of uh, jumping in and, and making this a huge part of, um, you know, I guess their co corporate identity or culture for last, lack of a better term. Yeah, it's, um, as I was listening, it was like, this is great, obviously, but it's piecemeal. Yes. And it's not directed in any, in any overarching way. And I guess that's an anathema to some people and they don't want governments and regulation involved. So I get that because that adds complexity. But when you, and we've, we've had shows on this very topic on the business cannabis. Yes. And yet, when you look back, I don't know what mark I would give the cannabis industry from a social impact perspective, but it sure isn't an A. And no, I'm not, not sure it's a B either. <laughs> I think it might be a C, maybe a C plus, um, because I think for for yeah, depending on what state and what what yeah, the maturity that yeah. And also some of the people that we've spoken to on the show, um, it's almost like, it's not that it's an afterthought. I, I don't want to give the impression that it's like, oh, we should do something. But, you know, let's be honest. Right now, it's, a, it's an, an emerging, emerging industry and people are out to make money first, right? right. Once you make money, then you can help lots of people. Um, right. And that's true of, of, of any organization. But I think this industry has a big responsibility uh, to bring yeah equity, the legacy issues and to bring equity to, to this yeah and repay um, the debt to um, black and brown people that have been disproportionately affected um, by what's happened in the past 
and you know i i i don't know what the solution is is it um a national organization um like what uh jai is doing with her company that um you know, is, you know, is it government related? I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, I wrote three words. I, I, when, I was, when I was listening to that interview at the end, I wrote, I wrote follow the money. So right. part of the, the sins are being repeated because a right. lot of cannabis is just about money and who has it. And, and so the problems repeat themselves like they have across society, reflect society. So the problems of diversity, inclusion and uh, access to capital are, are, are not gonna go away just because we say them, but unfortunately, since money is so important to a an emerging industry like cannabis, it's gonna. I guess I guess a C maybe a C is a good mark for now, but hopefully, in a year we'll give them a C plus, and hopefully, each year they'll or each half decade they'll they'll move up. Let's talk quickly while we have a, a couple of minutes left and talk about uh, Tiffany Soper's nine point agency. Right. Um, we've talked to a few marketing agencies. I find it interesting we've said this many times, it's an evidence of the maturity of the industry as people from other disciplines. And when I say disciplines, you know, she made her living in other areas, mm -hmm. the usual ones in PR, you know, where right. there's beauty and clothing and, and so on. Uh, but they're certainly sniffing around cannabis. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. not, and that's not a bad pun. I just meant it literally. They're looking at it and starting to get involved. It's hard to make a living on cannabis in PR well, right as an now, agency itself, but yeah, she actually spoke. She spoke to that um, yeah. kind of towards the end of the interview. She said, "You know, we used to be able to get press, no problem, because when you know cannabis was legalized in Canada, I'm sure she, they had you know every newspaper, right. every, every yeah. media outlet in the country um, looking for anything to do with cannabis. Now it's you know it needs to be earned, and it speaks to another theme." you know, that we've been talking about for, you know, a long time now, which is, you know, what makes you different, whether it's, you know, you've got a, you've got a brand, you've got a dispensary. Um, why should people care? Right? Why is it newsworthy? And mm -hmm. that's what, um, you know, companies really have to shift their focus to because, um, you know, with so many new businesses popping up in every state, uh, almost on a, an hourly basis, it seems, you're going to have to really dig deep to, to differentiate yourself rather than be, oh, well, you know. Right, just proclaim yourself here. Yeah. 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 You know, anyone can do that. Right. Um, what builds along, like, why are there only so many, you know, tobacco and, and alcohol companies at the end of the day? Because they did a better job of, you know, branding themselves, marketing right. themselves, telling a right. better story. Right. And that's no different. And they're doing some unique things, which I think is great. I mean, um, you know, the event that they did with uh, the Herbal Chef, uh, Chris Sage. Which is cool. Yeah. Really cool. Another event we're not invited to. Add that I to know. The list. I would have loved I, Although it was Please. Four years, five years yeah. ago. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, but I'm sure they've got something planned. But I didn't get that invitation at the end of the interview. But no, I know it's we'll, coming. Obviously, it's coming. Obviously, we're yeah, invited. We'll, well, definitely. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. just spam. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's probably in my spam folder. Yeah. Well, it, that is, a, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Um, thank you, Matt, for those, uh, for the comments and for joining us here. Uh, thanks uh, to our listeners, of course, a uh, hundred plus thousand strong every week. 
thank you, Cash Tech, uh, to our sponsor of the show. Uh, go to www.cashtechcurrency.com. Find out more about cash management and deal with all that cash at the dispensary. Uh, until next week, take care. And this is the business of cannabis. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.